I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here, everything is soft and smooth. Glendon turns to Ryan Johnson, who rests gracefully across the balcony railing. He lays gracefully across the balcony (laughs) and while Glendon (laughs) speaks on his hatred of sand. Orion pulls Glendon closer and says, It's okay. There's no sand here. And then they held each other tenderly while the twin suns set in the horizon. make him turn into a cat but mm-hmm. that was kind of inappropriate yeah we don't condone bestiality on this no. podcast um hi we're back i guess so last episode was a doozy it was a like like not in a bad way just in the long way it was like yeah two and a half hours a lot of editing a lot of recording a yeah. lot of music i'm on a time limit so we can't do that we, this time we literally have about an hour yeah which is good we it's need enough time we need to keep ourselves ordered rightly ordered mm, don't like that mm. i'm more about chaos but that's fine um so today i'm actually gonna do a bit of a content warning because i assume language could get above the rating of pg-13 oh really because we're talking about purity culture and relationships Trying to just think, in case trying to think what that would be like if i accidentally say boner oh that's that that is pg-13 if i accidentally say i don't know i don't think you can do it <laughs> i don't know what i want to say though what if i say penis PG, penis is pg-13 what if i say donger that that is like below pg-13 poggers in the chat yikes okay let's not (laughs) um no but actually the just in case i don't know what we'll talk about but it could get to the point where maybe it's i don't know if you i found out that young people apparently listen to this podcast sometimes how young i don't know okay maybe like 10 years old you think 10 year olds listen to this podcast maybe maybe some parents think we're good role models you think parents listen to this podcast Okay, I talked with someone that you and I both know, and she had her son listen to the Joker podcast. Was it Heather? Yeah. Okay. But I don't know how old her son is, so. But just in case, I don't want anyone to- I like the idea that Heather was like, you need to listen to this Joker (laughs) podcast. That that seems very- That's interesting. I know, I didn't expect that I'm assuming she had motivations behind it. Oh, yeah, but it was because her son really wanted to watch the Joker. Oh. She wanted to give some, like- she was like, don't do it. Movie sucks. Well, she said, if you want to watch it, listen to this podcast first so you understand some right. of the problems with it. That's fair. So we were used as a good example. That's fair. Somebody walked up to me the other day 
Uh, just random. No, I'm trying to think if it was Logan. Somebody, somebody came up to me the other day. No, I remember it was it was David. Um, David who? Uh, David Dryden. You mean like Maddie's husband? Yeah. 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 I was talking to him, and he was like, "Maybe you, you may have been there, because uh, it was at Waves." And he was like, "You know what? You you've made me appreciate the Last Jedi." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. Did say, yeah. And and nothing gave me more validation than that. Nothing gives me more validation than letting people appreciate the Last Jedi and illuminating people to how much Joker sucks. See, the thing with the Last Jedi is it's not the problem. Isn't it's a bad movie? No. It's just that people wanted different things out of it. Than yeah, they got. exactly. Like once you take it as it is, it's an amazing movie. Yeah, just like the Rise of Skywalker. Once you take it as it is, it's an enjoyable movie. We're not going there. We're not talking. No, we're you. You said we weren't gonna side trail. Yeah, we're doing that at the end of the podcast. We're yeah. gonna jump. Pretend none of that happened, even though I'm keeping it in. Um, no, we're talking about I today. I like to pretend Rise of Skywalker didn't happen. <laughs> okay, let's go. Today we're talking about purity culture and relationships and our experiences in the 21st century Christian dating scene. <laughs> that sounded funny to me. Did it? Lie. Yeah. 21st Probably century wasn't. dating scene? No, 21st century Christian dating scene. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why that's so funny. It's Christian it. mingle. <laughs> that's fair. Um, okay, that's oh, what we're going to talk about today. Um, um, I don't think we'll talk about anything triggering, but maybe. I don't think so. It was at this point that I realized there was a cord dangling, causing a little bit of noise and that's what you've been hearing for the first five minutes, that little annoying like twang. And so I fixed it right now. You're welcome. So yeah, we're, we're gonna, I don't know, we might talk about different ways purity culture has affected people. Yeah. And that could be. Could be extreme. Could be extreme. So just fair warning, language might get higher than normal and also. Lit. Um, yeah, we might talk about tricking things. Okay, let's just jump into it. Let's what just is pu- jump into what it. What is purity culture? Do you know? Yes. Because I know. I just listened to a podcast on purity culture. So, so you're an expert. Yeah. Do you want me to answer? Oh, do you them? want me to? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, this is your bit. You. I'm not really bidding. I was just starting. Purity culture is a movement in Christ, Western Christian evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's fair to say. Um, the basically focuses on like almost an idolatry of purity um where it says like if you're not pure then you're bad um and the way that affects relationships is essentially it gives a statement of i feel like it has this ideation of the i don't know what that was that you just did that was very concerning um (laughs) just looking at the mic yeah but like this idealization of like the one and of like you know, you have one soulmate, and that's all you get. And um, um, basically, this idea of like, like abstinence till, until marriage is like a big part. Um, but yeah, just the idea that you are pure, um, and you're not good unless you're pure. I'm gonna fill in the other half of that. Okay. That covered a good portion of it. But the fundamental kind of ideology of purity culture mm. is that your purity relies on whether you are active sexually or not. Mm. Um, if you have sex, you're impure. If you think about sex, you're impure. If right. you dress provocatively, if you're a woman, you're impure. If you have shoulders. It's really, it's putting, 
or it's using a binary right. to try to make everyone behave in the proper or the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's rooted in this idea that physicality and the body and the material world is evil and sinful. Right. Um, which com- roots back to, well, Gnosticism. Yes. To some extent, which is the belief that basically we're just souls in these temporary body <laughs> temporary bodies mm-hmm. and that once we die that's when we're we'll be at our peace or happiness yeah. because we won't have to deal with the bodily world yeah. anymore and i feel we like have to transcend it basically. yeah i feel like a lot of like traditional western evangelicalism kind of gnosticism <laughs> yeah it, it flirts with gnosticism it flirts with this idea of like oh if you are secular or whatever you're bad yep um as opposed to like accepting the beauty of the world Yep. Well, it's always focused on like heaven or something else, something, yes. something spiritual, something that's not material because material is simple. Yeah, exactly. But what's fascinating is that like Gnosticism was well fairly popular in like the early centuries of Christianity, mm-hmm. and I think to some extent asceticism is also to blame. Really, to a degree. Well, the idea that you have to abandon everything in the world and go and live a solo life without any sexual contact. I don't contact think, with humans. I don't think that's necessarily what asceticism is about, though. Oh, I know, but I think that's the influence it's had. And Maybe. I, I like asceticism. Yeah. Like, there's a great degree of importance in living in silence and mm-hmm. contemplation. Like, mm-hmm. I talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that asceticism is wrong or yeah. it's had a negative impact, but it has influenced our contemporary culture, I think, in a way. Maybe. At least in the way that it's influenced people to abandon all sexual contact they abandon all even like material things to go and live alone in see i caves i guess i think for that to make sense you would have to have asceticism being a thing that is celebrated in western culture and Which i don't it think isn't. it is yeah no i agree like evangelicals hate the idea of asceticism but yeah you know okay fine i agree with that but my my point with that was actually just gonna be that in the middle ages the medieval yeah. century mm-hmm. and I've taken medieval world literature, so I'm familiar with this. So have I. I don't know if you've talked about this yet, I, I'm, but maybe. I'm in medieval world literature. Um, yeah. So, basically, there's, there's this idea in, in the medieval times that not only is the sexuality good and positive, yeah. but it's the closest way you can get to being... Marjorie Kemp. Well, yeah. To some yeah. extent, Marjorie Kemp. Yeah. yeah. Basically, sexuality is almost like the <laughs> the god tier of love. Well, yeah. Um, and specifically adulterous sexuality. Yeah, yeah, because we talked about that a little bit with um, probably uh, Marie de, Marie, Marie de yeah. France, um, where it's not like this idea of, I mean, you you have to contextualize that in mm-hmm. like medieval society yeah. of like arranged marriage and everything, where yeah. arranged marriage isn't necessarily love; it's just marriage. Yep. Um, whereas real love is two people falling. Yes. Falling in love, choosing to fall in love. And sometimes that is adultery because you don't love your spouse. You love this other person, which is a really interesting concept. And what's what's the what's the term for um, mistress? Mistress. That's mm. the term I'm looking for. Basically, like your mistress is your true love yeah. versus your spouse yeah. because it was probably an arranged marriage, et cetera, yeah. and so forth. Um, which is kind of besides the point. But Yeah. <laughs> but the point, the point of that is just that there is this positive more positive view of sexuality yes. and the body yes. and 
that form of love mm-hmm. and well, so far that it is literally the closest you can get to divine love. Yeah. Well, like I'm, I just finished reading Dante's purgatory. Yeah. Um, and the structure of purgatory is essentially you have like your worst sins at the bottom that get purged. And the further up you go, like the more lightly the sins are and like the less it takes to purge and the highest is lust. Mm, yeah. Cause the high, cause lust is simply viewed as like misplaced love. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like, um, there's like self-directed love and ab- like absence of love. Lust is basically just misplaced love. You're you're really close, but it's placed in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also very Augustinian and all these other things. Yeah, yeah, misplaced love. Yeah, that's very Augustinian. Mm-hmm. But Augustine's also responsible for the idea that the body is bad. Ignore your. I feel like Augustine has like this weird twofold yeah. influence. Where a lot of what he says is really good, but a lot of what he says also gets inc- like misconstrued to create really bad stuff. Yes, and then some of what he says is just straight up bad. Because um, Augustine is one of I, I, Augustine and Paul were both kind of like deny your body. I feel though Paul is uh, the, the the translation could become an issue yeah. there because when he says deny your flesh, mm-hmm. I like to interpret it, that as like deny your yeah. ego. I'm trying but to even think. That's not helpful. It's been a bit since i've read confessions but i feel like augustine is less deny your body and more like because mm. he because he was manichaeism and then like rejected it yeah true and so he rejects that kind of like gnosticism that comes with that and everything Should probably define manichaeism but whatever uh, i don't remember what the definition it's basically uh it's binary essentially it's yeah like binary good and dark they're in balance um and he rejected all of that and celebrated more of like a fluid structure of mm-hmm. like love and like where is your love being placed and that's fair and yeah i agree like the whole you are what you love is rooted in augustine yeah and like rightly placed love or yeah. rightly placed desire rightly ordered desire yes yes which i think it's still there's something helpful to to the idea that examining what you're desiring and looking at what the root desire of that is yes for augustine of course it's the idea that every desire comes back to that desire for God. Yeah. Which, I mean, you can interpret that in different ways. Yeah. I mean, your desire for, like, you could replace God with whatever language you want, basically yeah. is what I'm trying to say. But, um, but that I, has been misconstrued. It has been misconstrued. Yeah. So, like, Augustine's a complicated fellow. Yes. And he's had a complicated influence, and a lot of it's been positive, and a lot of it's been negative. Yes. I think the negative has been more prominent than the positive yeah. at this point. But, that's because of where I was going to get to that as of the 17th century and the arisal. That's not right. The, the arrival. I don't know. The rising, (laughs) the rising, the rising, the rise of Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The rising, the awakening, (laughs) the away, the awakening of Puritanism. Yes. Is where pure, well, obviously, where purity culture is really rooted in. Yes. Which is fascinating because you'd think it's like purity culture is a fairly, like, you know, 20th century concept. Mm -hmm. But no, it's rooted in puritanical beliefs. It was so funny. This is completely off track, but I saw something on my Facebook from somebody who who was like, I just read Augustine's Confession and Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And he's like, I love both of these. Please, like, talk to me about them and i was like i could show this to noah or sarah joy and be like what the hell don't get me started okay that is related because you want to know john bunyan he was a puritan he was a puritan and that 
scumbag. No, and I have I have a little bit of compassion because he was thrown in prison for a long time. Yeah. So like, it kind of makes sense that you write an angry puritanical text as response to being thrown in prison for preaching puritanism. Yeah. Pure Pilgrim's Progress is a weird beast. It's just boring and it's not entertaining. It's poorly written. It's a bad allegory. That's fair. If an allegory, it's or it's so blatantly an allegory that it's yeah. just like well, it's, that that was 18th century allegory. That's how it functions. It's the kind of allegory that C.S. Lewis hated and literally, didn't want to literally. be literally like it didn't want his works to be compared to. Yeah, because it's so like the characters don't matter. <laughs> it's yeah, but the point of that was just that in Puritan culture, as a response to was it King James? King sure. James II? Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the Jameses. Yeah, because King James was like, yo, I'm going to sleep with whoever I want. I'm going to take over the church. Parties. Parties. Like um, big feasts, waste of stuff. Like you know? he, he reframed the church around himself so that yeah. he could do whatever he wanted and sleep with who he wanted. So in response to King James, Puritanism arose and basically said, it's almost a neo-nazism yeah ignore your bodily pleasures neo-nazism for a second and then i was like no that's not, <laughs> not what you quite meant. but um but igno- that's also a thing now somehow <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's another podcast topic yep but basically deny your body deny physical pleasure mm. and just like don't dance don't dance dancing leads to sex yeah <laughs> or sex leads to dancing that's what, what it is that's do. the joke um and basically just focus on like read your bible and like yeah. pray and like it's all like it's almost um like not nuns but the male version priests monks monks that's okay. it it's almost like being a monk mm. except you're not living apart from everyone mm-hmm. kind of was milton was not a puritan no just so everyone knows I don't know why you needed to clarify that. Because he also was the same time as John Bunyan. Oh, okay. Paul, was it John Bunyan? It's John Bunyan. No, it's... is it? It's not Paul Bunyan. <gasps> Paul Bunyan is the American, I think. <laughs> yeah. John Bunyan, yeah. Because everyone's John. Yeah. Because John yeah. Bunyan, John, John Milton. Milton. Um, John Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> My boy, Jonathan Shakespeare. Jonathan Goosen. Whoa. What? Okay. Um, We're talking about Puritanism, though. Anyway, Puritanism is basically what happened with the Puritans in Europe or England, I guess specifically. Yeah, is they were kind of like cast out. Yeah, and it was made illegal, so they had to go and find a place to practice their Puritanism. Mm. And where would that place be? America, America, the land of the free, home of the brave, and now Trump world. Trump world. <laughs> anyway, so they come to America to practice their their beliefs um, without the persecution of government. Yeah. And what happened is that Puritanism became kind of enrooted in American culture. Yeah. But it's strangely, like, I know people like to claim, like, oh, the presidents were all Christian and America is a Christian nation. That's not true at all. No, that's BS. Um, most of the founding fathers were, like, deists. Yeah. And humanists. Yeah. So it's, it's not, like... The America was founded on Puritan or Christian beliefs, but they were still very much like they were influenced by Christian yes. and Puritan beliefs, just like they were influenced by like Shakespeare and all these other things. Yes, exactly. Um, and so you get to the point in like late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, and I think that's I believe it's the first Great Awakening. Could be wrong. Someone could correct me on that. Uh, the first 
the the first Great Awakening Is that earlier. Um, the first Great Awakening happened um, when the Force stirred in Ray and. That's not helpful at all. <laughs> anyway, in in kind of evangelical slash Pentecostal history, there's like the two Great Awakenings that yeah, happened. I, I don't know, and I don't remember if it's the first or the second. That was like early 1900s late 1800s also the same kind of period as the decadence so you've got like a big period of change yeah so i'm about to let y'all in on a little secret um glenda and i were (laughs) trying to give a full-on history of evangelicalism and like puritanical beliefs with no notes no (laughs) research and just going off memory so i decided to fact check myself and i was pretty wrong on this part to the extent that i actually need to um well clarify some things one the first great awakening was actually in the 1730s yes it was it came out of puritanism and it did form the foundation of evangelicalism but it was definitely not in the 1900s or the 1800s however the second great awakening which took place in at the end of the the 18th century to the beginning of the 19th century as, as well that was like a big revivalist movement which again also influenced evangelicalism um but also influenced um, social justice to some extent, social activism, insofar as um, they were working against anti-slavery, anti-oppression, and that's kind of like where William Wilberforce came in and et cetera. The 20th century would be like the big revivalist movement, like the street revivals in the early 1900s, Pentecostalism, and that's what I was kind of referring to, I think, in this case. which did, again, still a foundation for both Pentecostalism and Evangelicalism, but it happened in the uh, in the early 1900s. It was actually after World War II where Evangelicalism split, and one section or one half, whatever it ended up being, wanted to abandon any kind of liberal ideals and take on the new identity of fundamentalism. And so that's kind of the root of what we would call purity culture in our society would be in that split right right then and there. And yes. that's kind of when, like, evangelicalism started to really take form. I don't know enough about evangelicalist history. I'm kind of like, I'm. it's been a long time since I've read Christianity After Religion by Diana yeah. Butler Bass. Right. Um, and that's where I'm kind of getting some of this. Mm-hmm. So it's, I could be very wrong. We could be very wrong. But I believe evangelicalism was kind of like it came rose out of Puritanism yeah. around that time. Give yeah. or take some decades. But also yeah. the late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds is when Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption two are set. So that's how you know everything. That's that's the period of the cowboy. Yeah. I think it's also worthwhile to note how much of Western Christianity is rooted in like mm-hmm protestantism yes and like a protestant pro- like a very sharp protestant rejection of catholicism yep. yep um because i think protestantism is much more focused on intimacy with christ this is a, a sweeping generalization yeah um protestantism is more focused on like a sense of like intimacy with christ whereas catholicism is more focused on a sense of on reverence of beauty um and christ yes um, and so, to, like, that's a sweeping, sweeping that's a very, generalization. There's a lot of, like, the Catholicism also ends up being kind of, um, what's the term, like, 
um, stuck on or just like entrapped by absolutely this focus on rules and absolutely like tradition is important. I'm not denying that. Yeah, but it's almost like there you have to do certain things in yeah. order to be no, like absolutely. pure. But bringing it true. back to the point. But I think part of where we get to where we are is this whole Protestant sense of a rejection almost of beauty and like in mm-hmm. a sense without a rejection of tradition, yep. a rejection of like anything that roots us into anything that makes you desire. Yeah. Anything that makes you desire anything that brings oneness. Yep. Um, Cause it's all about individual individuality true. and your individual relationship with Christ. Yep. Oh yeah. Individual individualism. Is that the term? Sure. Rises out of kind of this same idea. Mm hmm. Um, Puritan, yeah, pretty much rises with Puritanism, yeah. but also, I guess, humanism at the same time, though. Right. There's the, a lot of things happened at the end of the 1600s and the beginning of the 1700s yeah. that influenced modern culture. It's true. Um, but basically, so that's kind of your history of purity culture mm-hmm. and the denial of the body and the denial of sexuality. Yeah. Um, so that takes us to the 1920. 19- oh, oh, no, let's go 1980s, 1990s, sure. because that's really when, like, purity culture... So, so you have to understand, like, as of 1960 is the sexual, well, the 60s is the sexual revolution. You bet. End of the 60s, beginning of the 70s. So that's when you have both the civil rights movement, you have the sexual revolution. Right. You have, basically, it's like social justice is taken to uh, a new degree yeah. in the 60s and the yeah. early 70s. And so as of the late 70s, you get a hard pushback yeah. from evangelicals. Yeah who because that's also like in the time because it was like what was it world war one or world war two that canadian women got the right to vote um oh i don't remember it was one Probably, of those yeah around that time yeah around the, that time and the, like that led to a whole like yeah. feminist resurgence essentially yes. um yeah. which leads to like so many other things yeah um, yeah, I it, guess it, women's rights were also a big thing. That yeah, it, it's funny what changes when you start listening to half your population. Yeah, for for real. <laughs> but anyway, there's also the other half of the population that decided no, we don't want women to have these right. to have this freedom. Yeah. We don't want people to have this freedom to mm-hmm. explore their bodies, to view it as good. So you get the evangelical pushback in the 70s and the 80s in the form of Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> That's not entirely true. Actually, that's probably completely false. But probably, <laughs> I don't. But I don't know enough about Ronald Reagan to dispute it. Um, you still you, you get you get the idea that the evangelicals push back in the seventies yeah. and eighties. That's when you get the televangelists and the Christian contemporary music culture. That's true. That arises around that time. You um, get like Larry Norman, which is like the father of contemporary Christian music, hmm. which is kind of sad because his. He's very, his music is more complicated than that. I think, I think that's generally true though. You get that with a lot of art. Cause you like yeah. CCM, you have like Rich Mullins and stuff yep. who is amazing and incredible. Yep. Um, but then you get people who just try to imitate that style yes. and it just becomes generic and blind and they don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. So let's, I don't want to crap on Larry Norman because he's a phenomenal yeah. music. He was a ph- phenomenal musician. Yeah. He was a great songwriter mm-hmm. and it was actually a more nuanced Christianity than yeah. a lot of contemporary Christian music today. Like I know, I know, I've heard my dad talk about that time and a, a lot about the sense of like, okay, why is why are we restricting like rock music to like mm-hmm. secular devil stuff? Like, let's actually embrace this and lean into this and whatever, yep. um, which is really cool in a lot of ways. But then it's also been degraded in a lot yeah. of different ways. Isn't that fascinating though? That like rock and roll 
and oh, yeah. that kind of music arose at the same time as like the sexual revolution and yeah. civil rights. Like, oh yeah, all of all freedom, of this freedom. happens in the same like it's crazy. decade, yeah. basically. And so, you, not only do evangelicals push back against the sexuality of it, yeah, they're pushing back against anything associated with it. Oh yeah, so that's rock and roll. Mm-hmm. That's and well, any secular music. Well, even that start where you start to get like the science faith arguments. Yep. Yep. Um, because it it becomes this whole like. I, I feel like maybe that's also anti-Catholicism too, which is that's also true. Um, I, I I get the sense of almost what we're getting now on a lesser extent, where the church has like this identity crisis, and so they grip onto these things and they say these are this is what marks us as a like Christians, even though it's not even that important. Yep, yep. it becomes it starts to that's when Christian nationalism really starts yeah. to make its return not that it ever yeah. really left but and i, I would, in america i would even argue part of that is a result of abandoning any sense of tradition mm-hmm. because you abandon your creeds you abandon your core tenets of faith and your core tenets of faith become uh we don't do drugs yeah, um basically. which is really problematic or we don't have sex yeah. or whatever you want to throw in there mm-hmm. and so by the 90s you get books like what is it kissing dating goodbye oh is that yeah the one? by that josh josh thing. harris josh harris i mean what a K- guy josh harris full respect for apologizing and literally denouncing his book yeah and be- becoming an atheist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh he owned up to it he's paying for his mistakes he is. but boy has he hurt a lot of people with he that has. book yeah that that probably might be one of the single most influential books in purity culture, in Christian culture, in the that, last 30 years. That, yeah, like released in the last 30 years. Yes. Maybe. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's more influential than like Paradise Lost or what? like Dante. There's the, there's the, the comedy Paradise Lost, um, Augustine, and Kissing, Dating, Goodbye. But for, for real though, <laughs> like... The, it, it, we're not. It's not even that much of an exaggeration. I don't know. I, there, I guess I, I haven't researched it that much. I don't know that much about it. But like, pro- it, I don't. Growing up, like in our generation, yeah, like the nineties, two thousands, two thousand ten. I would say like its influence is definitely there. I don't know if there's a single. Ev- I should say evangelical because I don't mm-hmm. know if it was as big in like other like Maybe. mainline Protestant or Catholicism, but in definitely evangelical circles, like I don't know if there's a single like youth group that didn't have that book like preached from or at least referred to or like yeah, recommended probably because i know i i was recommended that book i up. i don't remember it but also my youth groups were kind of shaky um but even then i feel like even if they're not even if it wasn't directly involved probably like its effect was still present yeah. to some degree um but so basically it comes down to this point where we are we are at now and where we've been for the last 20 30 years where it becomes because purity is a, a very strict binary. Yeah, it's not like uh, I'm kind of going to be boring a little bit. From I listened to that literature episode that I told you about mm. on purity culture, literally like an hour ago. Yeah, and like purity. When if I were to take my bottle of water right now mm. and I were to like stick something dirty, like put some mud in it, right? It's impure, and it'll yeah. never be pure again. Yeah, it's it's. It's a very, like, Old Testament way to perceive yes. of life, but without even understanding the cultural context of the Old Testament. It's an attempt to reduce the complexity of humanity into yeah. a sameness. The idea that, like, holiness is separation. Yeah. Um, 
And we talked about this a lot in my Gospel of Mark class, mm. where you see Jesus as kind of an inversion of the temple system, mm-hmm. where the Pharisees got so wrapped up in this concept of we are holy by like separating ourselves from everything. Yeah. And if we let anything unholy touch God, that's going mm-hmm. to like desecrate God. And then you have Jesus, the presence of God coming and mm-hmm. sanctifying things through himself. Yeah. And so he reaches out to the sick and the etc. Et and purifies them. And what's what's fascinating is that like it's a good example of leprosy is like the yeah. perfect um, kind of analogy for this. The moment you touch a leopard, you're impure. Exactly. That's it. It's over. It's yeah. a binary. Yeah. You go, it's either you're pure or you're impure. Yeah. And it's nothing can, it's almost like nothing can make you pure again. Yeah. To some degree, I mean, there's temple sacrifices and whatnot. Yeah. But what's interesting in what Jesus did is I don't know if it's so much that he purifies them mm-hmm. or that he makes it clear that they were already pure. I think there's an extent of both. And I don't even, I don't, I, they talked about this in the literature episode. Yeah. I don't know if I like using the word pure at all. And that's fair. Because it's such, like, it's so rooted in this binary. Yeah. But, like, you are say, already good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe less pure and, like, more holy. Uh, holy is a lot it, of connotations. It, it does. There's a lot. That's the root of, like, purity. That's what purity culture is. That's the ideology behind it. Yeah. The moment, and, and, like, there are two, there are two ways purity has really been used that I can think of off the top of my head. Right. Also boring from the liturgist again. Of course. Um, like ethnic cleansing and Ooh. genocide. Yeah. The purity of race, yeah. basically, yeah. is the other big way it's been used. Um, but we're not going to focus on that today. But And then it's sexual purity. Yeah. Where the moment, the moment that you lose your virginity or you yeah. perform a sexual act or you... Yeah. Even even to some extent, think sexually or yeah. dress sexually. Yeah. And I'm thinking more for women at, at this point. Yeah. Like, you lose your purity. Mm-hmm. And you can... I know when I was growing up, like, I was told that once you lose your purity, you can never get it back. Yeah. Which is insane. Because they, they have, like, this awful... I, I think of the awful, like, youth group picture of you take two pieces of paper and you get, like, glue all over them. And you put them together and, like, that's you and your significant other. Ugh. But if you, like, break up or whatever, you take... You try to take the pages apart, and they get all ripped up and leave parts of each other behind. And it's, like... Very unhelpful. It's very unhelpful and very unhealthy. Like, I can understand a certain mindset, but when you're using that as an example of your purity, as opposed to just... This is, like, your psychology of, like, hey, like, people will always be with you. But that's not how it's used. It's, like, you're a different person, and that's bad. And the only result of that, it doesn't stop people from having sex. No. It doesn't stop people from whatever living their lives and, mm. and being free to do what they want. Really, it just makes people feel shame and guilt. It makes people That's feel ashamed, and it. I think the thing that it does is it casts it in this weird. Mm. Um, it, it has like this weird element of mystery about it, mm. um, where. And, oh, I see your I- yeah. ideal idealism. Yeah, basically. and and maybe that's also part of just the shame and guilt sort of thing. Yeah. But I, it's like. If you do do something and, like, say it was an accident, say it was, like, you know, you do something one time, yeah. then it's not something where you're, like, hey, I did this one time, 
that sucks. Maybe yeah. I should not do that anymore. It becomes, shoot, I am so ashamed and guilty of this. I'm never going to yep. talk to anyone about this. And that's when problems start. Well, and, and then if they do talk to someone about it, everybody looks at them with disgust. Oh, yeah. Especially, you know what? Actually, that's that's kind of a lie because with men, I don't think that's true. Oh, it is. Not not to the same degree as women, though. I If a woman comes forth and says, oh, I have, I've had sex and yeah. I'm pregnant, for example. Right, yeah. Like, I've heard uh, so many stories. Yeah. Either from people I know or from people online. Yeah. Or even just from listening to the stories that were put on the Literature's podcast episode yeah. I listened to. Like, they are looked at with disgust. Mm-hmm. Like, they're lesser. Like, they've lost That's the fair. thing that makes them valuable. Right, The yes. whole idea of, like, you have to be a pure virgin. Yeah, and there's so many connotations with that that we could get into of just, like, wording and, like, cultural phrases and yeah. stuff. Um, but, but you were mentioning men. I well, I think of like how um, just the whole porn conversation, mm. oh, um, yeah. and like there are a couple different ways you could approach that. But like, definitely, um, it, it's casting this weird, weird sacrilege of like, I don't know. It, it, it's like if you if you indulge in porn or whatever, you're you. There's this 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 taboo against talking about it. Yeah. Is my biggest thing. Um, whether you like believe it's right or wrong is like an entirely different conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, but there's a taboo around it, and so people have shame about it, and they can't have a conversation. Well, and and it doesn't help that there's this whole idea put forth that if you're watching porn, if you're engaging in any sexual activity, yeah. you're moving away from God. Yes, you're 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 not in right relationship with mm-hmm. God. You're basically distancing yourself, mm-hmm. and you're not worthy of Him being in your presence. Yeah. That is so unhealthy and yeah. so dangerous. Yeah, that's where that shame and like guilt yeah. and fear are all rooted in. Mm-hmm. That you aren't worthy because of these normal actions that you're doing. And that's the thing. Like, I'm not a, like I'm not a fan of the concept yeah. of porn. Oh, and I'm like, not. I'm not putting forth that porn can be no, no. damaging. Let's, yeah. let's let's put that out here. Right exactly. Now. Porn can be damaging. Yeah. And but that's that's not what we're saying though. What what is happening is mm-hmm. people do that. People like go out and like have a one night stand and like come up with a child or something or come yep. up pregnant or something like that. Um, like those things happen. And rather than treating that as it is and saying, okay, how do we deal with this? How do we whatever? Yeah. It's like you've desecrated the yeah. house of God. Exactly. And it's just shame and guilt, and you can't have a conversation. There's about it. N- there's no room for communication. Yeah. And that and that's really how, that's really what purity culture is. Yeah. And there this is, is no communication. This is where we get into stuff like the abortion conversation, oh, um, which is a whole okay. nother bag of worms. But like, you know, people come in and they're like, "Hey, I have this." What I don't know. There's so much yeah. that you could talk about, but it, it, I don't know if we want to jump into abortion I, 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 on this I don't, one. I don't really want to, but it's. I see what you're getting at. You get these binaries of conversation where yeah. it's like, hey, this is a strict bad, and you did this, so now you bad, as opposed to like, this is a problematic situation, and we need to deal with this because it requires yep. healing and whatever. And it's, we're almost coming back to the whole word of faith idea that if you talk about something, it means it'll happen. Hmm. That's why evangelicals are so afraid to talk about right. sex yes. yeah. and and uh, how to properly like ev- like treat yeah each other and how to like consent consensuality yeah whatever just consent period yeah or just not talk about safe sex or not talk about proper sex yeah or 
like how to how to treat a partner yeah and that's why so many evangelicals are like no get any sex out of out of school yeah because it's like oh no that means they'll start to think of it yeah they might want to actually have sex and it's like they're hormonal teenagers they're gonna want to have sex period they're gonna hear the word sex eventually it's in the bible and like like what do you think all you're doing is you're gonna make these hormonal teenagers who yeah. are now told their whole lives that, oh they shouldn't have sex they shouldn't have sex shouldn't have sex and, it's, and they don't get taught about it and it's that mystery of idealization again. Ide- so they yeah. idealize it and they're gonna have sex yeah and then they're not gonna know what to do because they yeah. haven't been taught properly yep. and i I'm, I'm i know someone in particular who won't listen to this and i'm not gonna mention them but their name jeffrey she, she grew up in a homeschool environment okay. no not jeffrey <laughs> she she grew up in a homeschooled environment didn't have any sex education. Right. As far as I know. Yeah. And I found, like, two or three years back, she talked to me, <laughs> like, we were talking over Messenger. Yeah. And she told me, like, oh, I'm pregnant. Mm. And I'm like, wow, that came out of the blue. Yeah. And from what it sounded like, it was a one-night thing. Yeah. And they just didn't know safe sex practices. And that's the result. Yeah. And so not only could there have been, like, let's ignoring the stis and the actual yeah. like diseases that could be associated with that mm-hmm. pregnant and yeah. now you suddenly have to because of christian culture you suddenly yeah. have to have a kid yeah and this is someone who told me for like two years that she never wanted to have a kid yikes and so when she told me like oh i'm pregnant i'm like shoot yeah what like that's a situation that this purity culture is putting oh yeah teenagers in yeah and oh, she wasn't teen. She was like twenty or something. Twenty. But still, it's no one should be forced into that scenario. No, and like, and like again, obviously, like chose to have sex, whatever. Mm-hmm. People are gonna. It's gonna happen. Like you can't. Yeah. This demonizing of it or making it seem like such a dirty thing. Yeah. When it's a perfectly, it's literally the one of the most normal functions of a human yeah. being. And even I always I think about this in terms of like the whole homosexuality debate mm. and all these different things. And it's like, okay, say you claim that this is a sin. What makes this so different than any other yes, sin? That's what makes point. this different than lying or stealing? Why don't you have huge, huge discussions about that? Yeah. It's funny that lying doesn't make you impure. No, It's no. funny that like murder doesn't make you impure. And I think, yeah, I, I think part of it, part of it is purity culture. I think, part of it especially with the homosexuality discussion is it's just easier to cast blame on people than to like mm-hmm. look at yourself yep or to just i don't know love each other and treat other people as human beings and not as problems to be fixed oh 100 percent. and like here's i think i can kind of jump into maybe like a more personal yeah, side sure. here that like the result of this it's a hypersexualization is what purity culture is oh yeah it makes everything sexual yes if you wear yes. if you wear a tank top suddenly you're showing shoulder oh that's Ooh. sexual which is i'm trying not to swear <laughs> it's stupid it's really incredibly it's very stupid. dumb and like it's suddenly every bit of skin that's shown or every time a woman like yeah. comes up to you it's sexualized it's sexualized yeah. yeah and growing up in an environment i went to a christian like i said i went to a fundamentalist christian school mm-hmm. growing up Constantly yeah. told, like, don't have sex, don't have sex. It literally yeah. was against the code of the school. If you had sex, you would get expelled <laughs> kind of thing. I'm not, like, I'm not joking. That's so funny. Like, there were circumstances that happened where people ended up getting expelled. People got expelled. Yeah. It, it's stupid. And so 
and growing up like uh, with my parents and not to like throw them under under the bus at all because this is a very typical evangelical christian thing like don't date until you're a certain age don't date until you're like 18 and graduated so that you focus on school and do good get good marks don't focus on sex blah 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 blah. and it's like and like at least good on like my dad for talking to me a bit about like sexuality growing up and like different aspects of it not exactly in the most positive way but at least i was kind of yeah aware of certain things and i also i think I think you hit an interesting note where, like, that discussion is always centered around, like, don't have sex. As opposed to, like, you don't know yourself as a person. Why are you, like, making dumb life decisions as a 14-year-old, like, opening relationships? But it just, like, it makes makes sex this idealized thing, like you mentioned. And when you... So you have this idealized idea... Idealized idea. Whoa. Idealized idea of sex, along with the idea that it's literally unobtainable for you right now. Which makes you idealize women. Yes. Yep. Which then leads to objectification. Yes. And so my yes. because thesis, because women become only sources of sex essentially. Exactly. That's exactly the, the evangelical. My, my thesis friend. is that purity culture forces men to objectify women. No, I yes it does. And that that's my central claim of this podcast. Yeah. If I you would, take anything away, agree. that's it. Purity culture forces men to sexualize and objectify mm-hmm. women, or at least encourages them. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good yeah, way to put it. It forces you if you are an evangelical man. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like growing up in like high school and whatnot, I ended up having this weird like yeah. complex thing. I, like I mean, like a mental complex, not yeah. like it, well, it was comp whatever. Anyway, so that, like even hey, ta- Noah, <laughs> why you gotta go make things so complicated? I like pop punk. Bring Avril back. To Avril. Pop punk. Avril was great. If I was less concerned with purity culture as a at a young age, I would have had a crush on Avril. I'm gonna be honest. Oh my god. Okay, I probably did have a crush on Avril. But the point of the matter <laughs> is that like so growing up in like high school or junior high, like even talking to women became this weird right. idealized yeah. thing where like, oh I've gotta make sure every moment counts yes. and like I yes. can't say things that aren't gonna uh, like make me seem like a, a either a weird person or a bad person yes. or like i've got it i almost have to be ideal to match this ideal right and yeah. so there's this weird thing where it's like i'm not supposed to date them but i'm having these feelings that like yeah. i want to like i want to go in this direction but i'm technically not allowed to and it creates binaries of relationship yep. because yep. suddenly your feelings are either uh, you date this person or you don't talk to them yep as opposed to like, why can't guys and girls just be friends? Exactly, and that's that's a big thing. Yeah, that, like friendship, platonic friendship between guys and girls in junior high and high yeah. school. Was that? I don't know about you, but for me, it was almost non-existent. Yeah. I had a few close female friends, but I also just didn't talk to people about anything deep in high school. But like, I, I yeah. still had like good friends and stuff who were female. I and for us in in my class. Because it was, like, a class of, like, 25 guys and, like, six girls or whatever. Right. Whatever. It was a high ratio of guys to girls. Yes. All the guys ended up hanging out together and all the girls ended up hanging out together. Right. There was an, almost no cross-contact except for romantic relationships. Yeah. What about that one girl who you wanted a present from? Oh, grade eight. Okay, yeah. I mean, Oh, that was grade eight? Okay. I was going to talk about the fact that literally what ended up being the result of this is that I idealized pretty much every woman that would like smile at me yeah. right yeah like and that's how like the idea of like crushing on someone mm-hmm. and like you start to form this fantasy of like oh maybe i could yes eventually whatever date them like so and so forth and you end up fantasizing and 
you ignore their personhood. You ignore you, like the actual you objectify them because they become idealized. They become idealized, yeah. and so you end up having crushes on people that you never talk to. I don't know why I'm saying <laughs> you, but like me, I in high school it was it was funny. I, I think it was mostly like rebound stuff too. It was like totally mm. normal because I just gotten out of like a weird weird relationship, and there is this woman, and I we I. We legit never had a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and this is a whole thing. Um, because I, like, developed a crush on her because she was cute. Mm-hmm. And was like, oh, maybe maybe we'll be in a group together. And yep. then I can talk to her. I never, like, actually approached her as a person. Um, and then, like, it was a bunch of that. And then I realized she didn't like me. And I started to resent her. And it was a whole thing. All done without any conversation whatsoever. Yep. And that's purity culture. <laughs> pretty much like for me it was similar circumstances except i could say it was a different girl every year so yeah that's fair like grade seven had a crush on a girl barely ever talked to her she liked someone else i was very angsty and upset yeah grade eight same thing except she ended up dating one of my closest friends and got married yeah grade nine same thing grade 10 that was the girl at the christmas thing and i feel like that would be all fine if it was normalized as opposed to repressed Yes, and it's all, oh, there's so much sexual, sexual repression in purity culture. It's the reason why in grade 10, there were guys humping other guys on the couch. Nice. That's what happens, because you've got to find a way to, like, explore yeah. that. And it ends up being, it's a weird, almost like, what I'm trying to say is that because this whole, like, male locker room talk, boys, let boys be boys, um, toxic masculinity is so, like, ingrained in evangelical thought and belief, like, look at trump for example purity culture finds it more acceptable for um guys to behave sexually with each other um as the result of sexual repression rather than actually have them learn how to express themselves in a more healthy manner and a consensual manner um and it's ironic because they frown on all forms of homosexuality and try to um other the gay community and yet they're okay with this kind of like weird high school behavior at least that's what i found in in my class there was so much like male sexuality that ended up coming out with other guys yeah. because with women it was frowned upon and almost like you couldn't do it well i think about like this summer oh my goodness this summer oh, i camp. had have i told you this one story you've told me stories about camp yeah but tell it for the podcast uh yeah because i i had this one week at camp where we had a bunch of like teenage guys who all knew each other and it was like a whole mess for a variety variety of reasons but one thing um we had like a skit night i guess and all of the guys banded together and they're like we want to do sodom and gomorrah oh yeah you did tell me and they wanted to do that basically so that they could hump each other on stage see and that's that's exactly the point yeah and it's such a weird thing that like that's more normalized yeah for christian cultures which and yet you'd still like obviously like no typical christian will be like oh let's support the lgbtq community (laughs) i should say no typical evangelical or like conservative christian would support the lgbtq plus community because there are plenty of progressive churches and christians like ourselves who do affirm and support the lgbtq plus community but yet that's okay because yeah why yeah like it's such a weird christian sexuality is so messed up 
I think what? there's a lot. Another point that at least I found and something that I've constantly had to like deconstruct in myself because mm-hmm. um, I think a big part of this whole narrative is like this one mentality ideal like man and woman became no well one. yeah but also like this idea of the one oh yeah yeah soulmate thing um yeah, yeah, yeah. soulmate and i think it's weird because i feel like there's some semblance of validity just in the sense of like i don't know i like the idea of fate i'm a romantic in that sense um but also like you can't live your life in pursuit of that mm. um because at least what i found in myself and some of the people around me is you get this idea of like Almost if you're in any relationship except for the relationship with someone you're going to marry, yeah, it's you're doing pointless. You're, it's pointless and you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, I I even got into this whole construct for the longest time that I'm still kind of like trying to untangle of like if you kind of like because I am a, just a naturally emotive person, but I was like, I can't I can't claim to love someone mm-hmm. because I only want to love one person. Yeah. Which is bad humans aren't meant to function in that way yep um and so and again you have this this weird paper construct like if you break up with someone you're gonna lose a piece of yourself did you just accidentally call someone (laughs) i accidentally called my mom (laughs) right um and so yeah it's it's this whole one construct that just again idealizes relationships Yep. Um. And says you you need one relationship, and that's all you really need. Yep. Uh. You need your wife, and you need Jesus. Oh yeah, totally. And like that's how men can kind of be super controlling, and like yeah. or and be like, oh, my wife only hangs out with me. I don't let her hang out with any of her friends because yes. she only needs me. Yeah. And that's messed up. Yeah. But even vice versa, I see. I see. Because again, it's this this spectrum of male female relationships mm-hmm. that should exist and it just becomes are you going to marry me or not yep yep and it's all about mar- like if you're not that's a whole kissing dating goodbye if yep. you're not dating for marriage what are you dating for yeah. it's wrong yeah you're just you're engaging in, in your pleasures yeah that's and that's so like messed up yeah and so then you wonder why all these teen guys who are told no don't talk to girls that like don't don't express sexuality yeah don't, don't do all this and you wonder why they all turn to porn oh yeah when that's literally the only way they can somehow explore their sexuality yeah or and not completely repress themselves yeah And so then, then you get you get me. I know a, a twenty-three-year-old man. It's not my birthday anymore, but I like that that's becoming a thing. <laughs> I'm twenty-three years old, and I've never been in a relationship. Never, never been in a relationship. Hmm. And I can tell you three date stories. The only three date stories nice. I have, and they're brief. Yeah, that's why I can tell them in like two minutes or less. Because number one, grade grade ten or eleven, mm-hmm. friend set me up with a friend from another school. Right whatever i met up with her at the local rec center Mm -hmm. turns out like we'd been texting for a couple weeks whatever Mm -hmm. and she wanted to do her bio homework right so i go to this meetup and i'm there and i'm like i'm 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 just a horny grade 10 grade 11 (laughs) guy and so i'm like i don't want to like watch you do your bio homework why am i here so instead i start messaging my friends on facebook and being like yeah 
So this is what's happening. I have. <laughs> this is where things are gonna get 14a. Ooh. I jokingly, I'm like, yeah, I have a raging boner right now. Yikes. <laughs> Thinking that that was like a good idea while I'm like, it's sitting next to her, not really talking because she's doing homework. Yeah. I'm not, I don't care about your bio homework. No offense. It's bad on my part. I was immature. Yeah. Yeah. You need to love the people that you're with. It's Be true. in the moment. Be in present. And I was not present. I was, well, I mean, I was focused on my apparently raging I mean, boner. You were, you were present in a very different sense. <laughs> but the point is we barely ever talked on that whole thing yeah. like i was there for an hour it was just awkward and then i left and like that was my first dating experience i don't know if that counts as a date and that's my that's my point and that the next dating experience and when i was in between first year and second year at ambrose mm-hmm. my friend Oren set me up on a blind date Ooh. with someone who he knew from his butcher college in old butcher college like is the college called butcher no, college it's called old college but there's like a whole butchering thing there okay and so he sent me up with this girl who is very... Is this like a college for people who want to go into, like, butcher animals? No. Well, it's college. There's a whole culture. <laughs> you want to talk about sexuality? Ooh, old college has it. Yikes. But, like, she's a very Christian person. Mm-hmm. She They have a butcher program, I guess. And, like, a butcher shop at old college. That's why. Okay. Um. So he sent me up with her for some uh, what reason. What is the butcher... Pro- I'm so <laughs> caught up in this concept. Do they, like, practice... They teach you how to butcher animals what do you mean <laughs> i don't know why that's so funny to me but her favorite animal was a cow which is fascinating but she was like very much a country girl like living out on the range she and- was a country girl but she went to a butcher school yeah i don't i don't know the details <laughs> but anyways we end up on this weird blind date thing at a vietnamese restaurant and this is my first legitimate date because having said earlier grade 11 one was weird was she like hey you want to know how we make this meat like this beef oh no 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 that's not more happened. sexual than i meant it to i yeah, just wanted to make a butcher joke um but basically it's then like <laughs> we're I'm, I'm like kind of trying to make conversation i'm still like i should tell you like in high school i barely talked to girls at all because it was such a weird thing for me and then so like i still hadn't really made friends at ambrose like that yet so i still hadn't had that like i didn't know how to talk to girls okay and that was in like 19 or 20 and so this date was it just was not going well. I ended up complaining about church stuff. So you're welcome. That sounds about right. You know what you should have done? What you should have been like? Hey, you know dinosaurs? How would okay, you butcher a dinosaur? Wait, wait, that comes. Okay, that's gonna come. Yes. up. Yes. Get ready. Bring the dinosaurs. So back. to finish this story, I had to drive her back to Old from Crossfield where we met because Oren decided to drop her off in Crossfield. So I was left in the position, even though the date didn't really go well, because it was awkward. Mm. Don't go on a blind date and just sit and, like, eat together. Yeah. It's just Did awkward. Did you go to Subway in Crossfield? No. Okay. It was the Vietnamese place. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so I had to drive her back to Olds, which I was awkward. I just say that because we met at a Subway in Crossfield. I know. I did, and I've known that Subway well. It's a good Subway. I t- don't my driver's I license I almost ran out of gas in Crossfield once. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. I'm gonna, this is way off topic. I'm going to let you tell your I story. I want to talk about dinosaurs. <laughs> Anyway, I drop her off. I drive back. Oren tells me that she said I was nice, but yeah, there was no chemistry, which there was no chemistry. But it was a good first experience, even though it was a bad experience. There you go. But okay, anyway, so this summer, I have some friends who wanted me to meet one of their friends who's in town visiting, okay? Mm. I'll call her this this friend. Um, mm, Jenny Annie Dots. I'm just going to say Jenny because that's shorter. Okay. Um, the full it, name is Jenny Annie Dots. Jenny has a negative connotation, so ignore that. Okay. You've seen Forrest Gump. Isn't doesn't he go with Jenny at the end? There's a whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, so I go and I had to get up early because it was like a church thing when we were gonna go to, and so I like I spent the day with them, and 
And it's so funny because, like, it wasn't a date date. I right. should clarify. This was, wasn't a setup. It was just like, we want you to meet and maybe you'll hit it off. Mm-hmm. Just like, and she was only in town for a few days. Mm-hmm. So it was like a no pressure. Just let's hang out. Mm-hmm. And so at lunch, when we go to pay, mm-hmm. my my friend, <laughs> when he says to split the check, mm-hmm. he clarified it. But because we were at, like, a, a ramen place. Okay. It didn't come across the language barrier. So <laughs> it, the, she split the check for those two, and then it was me and Jenny. Ooh. And I go to pay, and it was together as one. And I'm like, I have a couple options. I can either like ask to split the check again, which would kind of look like a dick move, and I like it would would have been appropriate, but I didn't I didn't want to do that. Um, or I just like pay for it, and um, well. Okay, anyway, I ended up paying for her meal because I was a nice guy. But also, I don't know how that came across. It's like, was he being really, like, eager? How, I don't know how it came across. Yeah. But anyway, so I ended up going to the zoo after yes. that. And this is where the dinosaur thing comes up. Yes. And so the point is... Was this the Calgary Zoo? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They got dinosaurs. And so, like, so I had paid for her meal unintentionally, but also intentionally. But, like, you know, wasn't I wasn't yeah. intending to be, like, a m'lady. Yeah. <laughs> It was just like, it, it was a decent thing to do in that circumstance. Yeah. So we go to the zoo. I'm starting to feel really tired and like exhausted and that a little bit hot because right. it was a warm day. Oh, you're I'm, hot. Okay. <laughs> and like really weird. And I ended up like kind of being a little bit grumpy, but like I basically turn off because that's when I get exhausted. That's what I do. You turned I, off? Yeah. I just didn't. I started not really talking, which makes it. Did I look lazy? Did I look like I didn't wasn't interested at all? Like, did I look like a jerk? I don't know. These are all questions I'll never know the answer to. That's fair. But like some. But one of the things that set me off was I started talking about the zoo and how like oh yeah no one comes to the zoo for the dinosaur section. That's just a waste of time. Like who would come here to the zoo and look at the dinosaurs? Twelve uh, year old me. And would? I'm like I'm like. Y'all, that's my childhood that you're bashing yeah. right now. And I kept my mouth shut. But man, I was about to go on a rant. Yeah. I was, I was, and it pissed me off the rest of the time, <laughs> which is stupid. This is why I don't date, okay? That's fair. But don't bash dinosaurs in front of me, okay? And then I won't cry. So uh, apparently I didn't really finish this story when we recorded. So um, basically, like, actually, that's a good example of how I've matured over time because my first dating experience was me being extremely immature and really only being there for the story or for, like, the joke of it almost at that point. Like, I wasn't serious. And my second dating story was, well, a blind date that was literally set up to fail. Like, he int- he wanted it to fail so that I would get experience. And that helped mature me. And then over time, in the last, like, two or three years, I've learned how to be more outgoing and how to actually properly talk to, to women. And that was a good, like, this summer was actually a really good experience, apart from the fact that I was incredibly, it turns out, sick and tired, and I was, like, kind of really just wasn't in it by the end of the day. It was still a really good time, and she was a really great person. I feel like I came across as a a half-decent human being, at least better than the guy who texted his friends about his raging boner. Um... And it was just an all-around, like, it was more chill, it was more relaxed, and it just showed how mature human beings can actually communicate in in a way that's not so weird or, like, purity culture-esque. Do you want me to tell you what Jenny Annie Dots is from? Maybe not right now. Okay. 
let's finish the podcast. Okay. But so basically, those are my that was my experience, and we ended up like obviously yeah. nothing happened from it. But like it was a good experience. It was fun times. Yeah. Good time hanging out with friends all yeah. day is always a good thing. Exactly. But, end of story. I would go home. I fall asleep for a half hour. Wake up. Turns out I was fighting a cold all day. Didn't know it. That's fair. Sore throat. Runny nose after that, and yeah. I was out of commission for three days. So right. if I seem tired and like grumpy, that's why. You always seem tired and grumpy. It's true. You can't deny that. So I have a question, Noah. Oh, about what? So these in, these intros you do for this podcast, yeah, is this your expression of sexual <laughs> identity because you've been repressed for so long? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> no, that's inappropriate. Okay, is it? That goes against sexual purity. We can't oh. have that. So what? How do we fix purity culture? I think we need to tell ourselves a new story. It's like that for the liturgist too. <laughs> nice. It's true. We need to tell ourselves a different story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about any of your relationships. You've already talked about your relationships a I've lot on this about, podcast. Yeah. I've, <laughs> You've got, have I talked about that that much? Well, at least on the previous episode, you went pretty in-depth. I, I wouldn't say I went in-depth. I talked about... I guess I talked about it a decent amount. But, like, it's... Yeah, my relationships exist and have existed. You've had relationships. I've sort of. Um, okay. To a greater degree of Noah going on one blind Yeah, date. exactly. I think mostly it needs to be about seeing the other perspective mm. and looking at people with 30-40 vision. Yep. Um, and yeah, just exploring the world, not looking in terms of binaries of like, hey, this is, this makes you impure, as and more of like, hey, let's be in conversation. Yeah. Like I think let's it, just like, be. Yeah. Period. Like I think about the idea, like the ideal of abstinence culture. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm. There's debate, but like, the problem comes when like it becomes like this obsession. the The problem starts when it's like less of hey, let's do this thing to just like be safer, healthier human people, mm. and it becomes if you don't do this, then you're a bad person and a bad Christian, and yeah. like don't talk to me. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that purity culture has been an excuse for men to abuse yep. and rape women oh, yeah. and make them that's what feel happens. When you get guilty. an obje- objectification of a society, that is yep. what happens. Is yeah. You can just do whatever you want. Exactly. Um, that's race purity as well. Yeah. We only touched on it briefly, but that's it's essentially the same concept. Is you are other and therefore I can objectify you exactly. and do whatever. And so the result is that women who are raped or abused come to their churches and are told that it's their fault, yeah. that they that they must have dressed too provocatively, or they must have been impure, or whatever. Yeah. And now now they've lost their purity because they've been how raped, dare you? Which is like disgusting. You know what? No, it's fucked up. Yeah, I'm not gonna mute that. Good, don't because it is, yeah. and like. There's more I could go on on that topic, but yeah. we are a little bit pressed for time. Yeah. But, like, honestly, the fact that the church has found such a disgusting way to keep women yeah. silent and feeling shame and guilt. Yeah. Like, I, I almost feel like I need to apologize, but, like, yeah. I, I, that doesn't do anything. And I think it's, it's a lot of the same thing. It's a very systemic issue, and we kind of talked about this in a previous episode. I don't remember which one, where it's, I don't know if, like, 
the regular populace is like, we need to objectify women and we need to have control no. over women as much as it's like this is a result of things that happen and sure. like maybe maybe the higher-ups have that concept of like mm -hmm. this will this will keep the local systems in line but like it's it's a lot of just people don't know what they're doing yeah yeah they don't realize the harm they're causing i yeah. think there's a lot of because there is a lot of unintentional yeah i think but Be again there are people that genuinely rape people so and yeah there are people who suck um and like yeah i think a lot of puritans a lot of people don't walk into life realizing the harm that they, like they, they come at it with or they at least try to come at life with like the best intentions but mm. it's like educate yourself please like for real and stop let's stop blaming women for don't blame our problems women. and stop objectifying them yeah and subjecting them to the male gaze yeah which is really what purity culture does more female gaze more female gays, really? Like it, it's. I feel like purity culture doesn't even treat women as sexual beings at all. No. Right. Well, it's it's that um, Mary Madonna concept. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you should explain that briefly. But I, I do we have time? Because uh, it's essentially it divides women up into either being like this holy, sacred, set apart Mary figure yes. that's pure, or a Madonna. Um, it's a binary. Slut, essentially. Yep. Um, promiscuous, yep. dangerous. Yep. Um, it's like men are encouraged to be or forced to be hypersexual. Yeah. And to, like, you have to have self-control and whatever. But it's yeah. even more so, like, women are forced to be completely unsexual. Yeah. They're not allowed to express themselves. Because yeah. a lot of, like, you think of, like, locker high school boy yep. talk. It's like you're encouraged to go and be sexual. Yep. And women are not because if you're sexual, you're bad. Exactly. It's so backwards. And that's, like, it's it's really, it's misogynistic. It should be the opposite. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what I said yeah to. Um, there's an inherent misogyny. But it is, it is misogynistic, you're right. There's an inherent misogyny to purity culture that I'm trying to hit at. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, of all the people it's negatively impacted, like, my inability to talk to women is a very, very minor mm. compared to the way that they've been objectified and abused mm -hmm. and, and like subjected to the male gaze and yeah. made to feel like they're only worthwhile if mm. they don't like mm. I don't know, like the which way is, whether or not they're sexual or something which like is why just to bring it back to last week i got so up in arms about the whole john boyega thing yeah it's because it's essentially he was like it's true throwing down some locker room talk and people were celebrating him and the people who weren't he turned it against female sexuality yeah um, and there are like other layers to that, but that's one of the dominant layers that got completely ignored. Um, yeah. And I, it's, you look at so many of the things that culture dislikes or culture enjoys disliking. Think of like Twilight, Backstreet Boys, yeah. um, whatever. It's all just a celebration of female sexuality. Yeah. Um, but it gets disgraced and it gets discarded. And let's, let's be honest, like sexuality is good. Yeah. Let's, let's just put a big old end note there that sexuality is good. Yeah and just do it safely do, safely and consensually don't yeah. objectify people treat them as subjects like that's the whole point of this podcast yeah treat other people as subjects and specifically stop objectifying women yeah men because it's less of a problem for women because they've been told they're not allowed to be sexual yeah so like yeah if you're a woman it's good to be sexual mm -hmm. if you're a man mm -hmm. stop objectifying the yeah which which isn't to say that like objectifying objectification of men and like female on male rape I'm doesn't sure happen because it, it does. does happen um but 
like Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. That she was a, an abuser yeah. and literally almost ruined his career. Yeah. And basically got away with it. I don't know what happened in the court case. Did she? Well, like until until recently, like yeah. she basically yeah. Got she away almost with got away with it until Johnny Depp provided evidence of the fact yeah. that she's a messed up human being Even, too. Like Terry Crews has had a lot of that, hasn't he? No. Um. I don't think so. Because Terry Crews had something along the lines of he had like, a porn addiction thing. Was it? Was it that? There's yeah. something. But that's um, a whole other. Yeah. But like, just let's have conversations about sexuality. Let's not make it some weird, like impure thing to talk about. When like, when things become taboo, they are allowed to happen. Yep. That's honestly that's I, weird, but yeah. Yeah, I I think of um some something my high school business teacher would say to his son. Uh, that he told us, which, which was basically like, I don't care what you do as long as mm-hmm. like you talk to me about it. Sure, um, that's fair. Because like if if there is a conversation, then there are steps that can be made towards healing and reconciliation. I mean, I feel like there should be like, you know, don't do bad. Like, don't well, yeah, write, don't write people. Yeah, but like just like in terms of like general yeah human behavior, like once you make things taboo, you stop the ability to have a conversation about them. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to so many other things. Yeah. So basically, let's have conversations about sexuality. Yeah. Let's let's talk about sex. Yeah, for real. And let's stop making it such a weird thing. Because then you don't have all these repressed teenagers having sex all around campus. Yeah. Unsafe and in public because they don't feel like they can do it anywhere else. That's why it happens. Yeah. And it's... Then you're... Like, it's just... Then that makes it more of a weird situation. It does. Because then it's <laughs> awkward for everyone else. Yeah. So, like, it's o- it's okay. Do your thing. Explore. I'm giving you permission. Noah Harms is giving you permission. Um, I don't I don't know if I'll give you permission, yeah. but Noah Harms will. I'll give you permission. And it's because, honestly, you aren't worthy because of your sexual identity. You aren't worthy because of whether or not you yeah. have sex or whether or not you or a heck what you do or anything you're worthy because you are yeah. period yeah you are like you are yeah the, the whole like i am period and that's a good thing yeah like it is good yeah so like your worth is not determined by your <laughs> sexual purity i feel like i need to say this before i wrap up the uh, the episode but if you're a woman and you've been abused or raped or sexually assaulted, harassed, etc. Um, not only by the church or by Christians, but by anyone. Um, I don't know what you've been told. I don't know what your experience has been. But I feel like I need to say that it's not your fault. And you are not impure. And it's sad that I have to say that. But... It's not your fault. It's never the victim's fault. It's not because you dressed provocatively or you got yourself into a bad situation that you shouldn't have been in, which are all excuses that the patriarchy likes to use to keep you in your place. It's the fault of the man who raped you. It's his fault. And to some extent, it's purity culture's fault for teaching men that they can take whatever they want and that you and your purity are decided entirely on what a man does to you because women are just objects but there is a new and a better story 
and it's not from my lips or something I've written, but it's been written deep inside each and every one of you, and it's this. You are good, you are inherently and undoubtedly good, and nothing a man can do can ever take that away. Yeah. And I feel like that's where I want to end the freaking yeah, podcast. Good. We did it. Do you have any wrecks that you want to throw down um, here? I want to wreck a lot of things. You um, have like... Destroy them. No, I mean... I know. <laughs> wreck um, them, dang it. Taylor Swift's new album is really good. I haven't heard it. It's it's actually about... Not strictly about this, but it's it's interesting because I, I still need to watch... She had a documentary that just came out on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is a lot of the same thing um, because that and this album is a lot about her realizing that she's grown up with this label that she has to be pure she has to be a good girl and all these things and this album is a lot about like her current relationship but just a lot about like her like love and passion for things Mm. and the ability to like love and have passion for things and Mm. make a stand and the end of the album is like like, there's a little spoken word piece by her where she's like i i just want to like be known for the things that i love we are what we love and Mm. like we should celebrate that yeah it's a really good out like it's also like the production, everything's really good. But just yeah. like in terms of like thesis, it's a really strong, interesting album, hmm. especially with this conversation. Yeah, it's important to recognize that like your sexual desires don't make you a bad person, yeah. which is it's stupid that that even has to be said. <laughs> but like, and I guess my recommendation is Star Trek Picard. <laughs> How is that? Have you been watching it? I'm three episodes in now. How is it? It is a fantastic show. That's good. I feel like it's true to the next generation. That's good. And there's a lot of like Easter eggs and like references, yes. which are pretty like even minor enough that I was shocked. I'm like, wow, that's weird. They put that in. There. I love that. But that's like, so good. the acting is great. Mm-hmm. It's more like I don't know traditional Star Trek than nice. um, the movies, for example. Yeah. Except maybe, credit to Beyond, it was a good be, yeah. Movie. I was going to say Beyond's really good, but I think we've talked about that. Yeah. But yeah, Star Trek Picard, great show. Um, Patrick Stewart's great as always. I love him. What a boy. Um, and the story is really compelling. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give anything away. That's good. But it has to do with what makes you human, that's basically. Good. Nice. I like that. Sweet. Um, so that's the end of the podcast. Basically, love yourself, love others. Baby, you should go and love yourself. Yes. Let's quote Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran. The prophet of our time. Who actually wrote that? Was Ed Sheeran or Justin Bieber? I don't remember. I don't know. Anyway, um, you are good because you are. And on this Valentine's Day, go and have all that consensual sex that you desire, just like is written in the Song of Songs. If you'd like to be on our podcast, please contact either of our hosts. If you'd like to go on a Valentine's date with either of our hosts, you know where to find us. Yeah, sweet. Good night, Seattle. Good night, Seattle, and so on, Toronto.